This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay. And in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and ClearPay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week here in studio is Nick Lamone. I'm back, baby. Speaking of being back, Sam Claiborne rejoins us once again. Hey, it's good to be back. Good to have you back. And Justin Davis is here as well. Scoop. Sam, uh, all you missed is that last week they got 20 questions wrong, and the week before that they got it right. So I heard it was... Choo Choo Rocket last week? Yeah, is that what that's right. Last and then, which I would have never gotten. I've never even heard of that game, except I know it's a Dreamcast game. But um, what what's what was the week before? Does anybody remember? Yes. Nobody knows. It was Wave Race 64. Wave Race. People are oh. still giving me a little wow, bit Wow, of... those are hard games. Oh, because people are still talking about Beetle Racing. Be- Beetle Bug Racing. And I was convinced that it was a PS1 little kids who ride giant beetles. <laughs> because that's not oh. a crazy thing to think about as being no. a video game from no, no, the no. early aughts or something. Not but apparently it's with real cars, so. Yep. <laughs> well, it was a Volkswagen branded game, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Those cars don't exist okay. anymore. It's fine. They, yes, they do. Well, you, you may be confused too because Excite Truck didn't just have, uh, or sorry, Excite Bots didn't just have Excite Trucks. It had bug that, uh, yeah, like robot robots that you raised. See, it feels robots. very indicative of the era. Kids riding bugs in a race format. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a great show for you this week. Uh, we'll talk about the impressive sales success of Starfield, despite the fact that it launched day one to Game Pass. we got to talk about how they did my boy King Kong Dirty, his <laughs> latest game, uh, which I interviewed and gave a 3 out of 10, although that's not the lowest rated game of the year, uh, actually. But first, Spider-Man 2... Finally out there, everyone gets to play it. Uh, we can finally talk about this game. Uh, I, th- I think in a surprising twist, I think I'm, I, I'm one of the more positive people uh, on staff about it. I actually love it. I like it a lot, a lot more than I was expecting to. And a lot of people on staff, I, well, from what I've heard, I think uh, Nick feels the same way. It has, 
it felt kind of uh, been there, done that. It felt like it's very well done, but it felt a little bit samey. Whereas me, I only played a little of the first Spider-Man, and I did not play Miles Morales. So maybe that oh. I just didn't well, have that's that just not game. fair. That's just not fair that you didn't play those games a whole lot, and we all did. It's like and you're eating ice cream for the first the time. We, we've, we've gone decades of our <laughs> life eating ice cream. We're like, what is yeah. ice cream? Yeah, that's yeah. bullshit. This that's is good. bullshit. <laughs> this is great. I can't get enough. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got to check this ice cream out. Um, anyway, no, I really, really like it. Uh, I like I like the story, even though I, you know, I've said many times uh, stories and games are not super um important to me it reminds me how much i like the story of peter and the symbiote and venom from the comics mm-hmm. i haven't revisited that yeah. in a long time it also reminds me that that that's basically the story of everything i like it's star wars it's lord of the rings a good person can be seduced into the dark side a, a shortcut to power and solving all your problems but slowly it corrupts you and turns you to the dark side they're all the same i love it mm-hmm. um, how hard is it when they when you keep on retelling the story of harry osborne you're like but he's going to be a bad guy. And then it's just like, do all this really fun stuff with Harry. Yeah. He's your best friend. Yeah, they're like, bonding. <laughs> I did really like, I thought it was very cute when you ride bikes together. I was like, yeah. well, this is charming. I like this. This is nice. No, it's good. I like it's definitely like there's they have- so much of that. I mean, they lay it on thick as hell mm-hmm. in this game. Yeah. yeah. You know, all the friendship stuff. There's just a lot of walking around and mm-hmm. being buds. Yeah. They have with, to play with that stuff with a straight people. face of like, you know, your mentor is Dr. Octavius. Wonder what's going <laughs> to yeah, exactly. happen. And you're like, yeah. no, like we don't, like we've seen this before. That is something that I think is like, I, I know we talk a little bit about story and games and like how they don't necessarily nail it. I think one thing that Insomniac Games has done a very good job at consistently though, is like narratively tying their theme of the game together and having it be paralleled from different perspectives. You know, you have Peter's relationship with Harry, Miles' relationship with Peter, and of course, Peter's relationship with MJ, Miles' relationship with his mom, and they all echo each other in very similar ways, but very key different ways. And that's like just good storytelling 101. It's just like, hey, Mm -hmm. if you have a point that you're trying to make, every character should kind of support that, like a thesis statement. Everyone's complimenting what you're trying to say. So I think Insomniac does a good job of having a very cinematic storytelling structure in their games but i think where i kind of fault spider-man 2 and needlessly i I do like the game quite a bit i like i'm at when i finished the game i was at like 95 percent completion there's just a few things that i haven't done but i only didn't do them just because a lot of this stuff is like ah, by the time i rolled credits i was like four hours ready for it to be over like all of the chores that you do as side activities it's just I think you can distill most games down to I show up to location, I beat everybody up, and then I move on to next location. But you really feel it in the Spider-Man games. Mm. Um, and I think because I played the original plus Miles Morales to 100% completion, I think I was maybe, maybe I shouldn't have taken on the game this quickly and this early on after having devoured both of the previous games. So mm-hmm. a little bit of a me problem, but also... I feel like the game doesn't do that much different. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, I guess I, I approach it in a little bit of a different way. I do think that Insomniac has done a great job of making the gameplay and the story complementary yes. here. It's not like a lot of other games where you play, 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 and now sit back, watch a cutscene. Mm-hmm. Now you play, now you watch a cutscene. They're really like intertwined in a really smart way. Mm-hmm. Um, it really starts to feel more like you are playing a movie, a cinematic. Yeah, and I really like the optional, like, there's a lot of chase scenes that are in yeah. the game where you can, like, do the L2 and R2 to zip through objects, mm-hmm. and that has, like, a very bespoke cutscene, quote-unquote cutscene. It's like a quick narrative moment that's highly cinematic and stylized that you could miss if you're not, like, 
navigating the environment the way the game's kind of pointing you to. So I like that there's those clever little touches that are there for people who are willing to kind of become Spider-Man. The game kind of rewards you for that. You actually you get to become you know, both a lot of those... other characters. What? Go ahead. What'd you say? I just said you, you get to you, you you play a lot of different characters in this game. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, there's the you know Insomniac uh, kind of debuted this cool next gen tech in Ratchet and Clank where you mm-hmm. kind of get pulled through portals and like there's there's literally a thing like that in this game. It's like an improved really cool. version. What of that. you're just talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what you're just talking about is also kind of like that because you you frequently get pulled through an office building or like through a helicopter cockpit. And it's like that transition is so smooth and it's so next gen feeling and mm. impressive. And I, I, I've just like, that's the best, that's the best, coolest next gen experience I've had, I think, in any game. Well, there's also the loading times, which, you know, people have talked a lot about. Borderline or the lack thereof. It's that, like- that's why, I like, because I, I picked up the game uh, pre release. So, like, I was like, I remember that being like, a, oh, you can zip to whoever you want to be and go wherever you want to go at the drop of a hat. So I was like, let's test this bad boy out. And yeah. sure enough, I was like, pre-launch, I was like, damn, they really nailed this. And, and I think, again, that, that goes to speak as I, I do see Insomniac Games as the like pioneers of quote-unquote next-gen technology because they are the mm-hmm. developer that is consistently putting out games that feel like, my PS5 purchase was justified. Yeah. This is the thing that is showing off the power of the hardware in truly impressive ways. From their performance, fidelity, VRR support, from their technical side of things, just to how they kind of implement the technical aspects into the main game. Like they're just a, a, a bar above the rest as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think they're the MVPs of this gen because what, in three years they've had Miles Morales, Spider-Man 2 Remastered, Ratchet & Clank, and now Spider-Man. They're averaging more than one game a year this generation. They're all pretty They've damn all good. Really, really good. Uh, what else? I think all the performances are great, especially Miles. Man, I love Miles. He's great. Um, yeah. I, mm-hmm. like what, I like the traversal. The new web wings are super fun. Just great. moving around the city is it, just it's always a good time. I like the combat. It li- kind of makes you like understand how a Superman game would work. You're like, oh, you could just fly around now. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. The combat is great. I like all the finishing moves, and I like how even though uh, you don't get to pick exactly what finishing move you do, there's so many of them that I never get tired of seeing them. They're always thrilled. I really like how they do lean into, how Insomniac leans into the dual protagonists Mm -hmm. like in the gameplay itself, because you can do a random like, hey, people are robbing this armored car, and Miles just happens to also be there while you're playing as Peter, so it's like, it's not a story event or anything like that. It's just, hey, there is another friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and he also happens to be stopping this crime so you two work together for this brief interaction and it has all these bespoke animations from finishing moves where normally spider-man would do it by himself this time both spider-man team up with their finishing move and do something cool and that also extends to other cameos that show up in the game where the game is like no it's cool when heroes work together to take down an enemy and there's a lot of bespoke animations for that which is really cool And then I think another uh, particular reason why I've been enjoying it so much is because I've been playing it with my four-year-old son. This is like his introduction to the world of Spider-Man and all these characters, and he's so into it. And he he plays too. He got the hang of swinging around the city pretty quickly. He lets me handle all the combat. But I'll play like a a story mission, and like he's following along the story, and he's like, he's getting to know all these characters. And then the first thing he asks me when he wakes up in the morning is like, Daddy, is Dr. Connor still the lizard? Like, does (laughs) Harry still have the Venom suit? He's like, he's totally... 
invested in and enthralled and it's been great that's been really fun cool uh any criticisms i think sometimes like even though as good as the game looks for the most part sometimes the facial animations are like jarringly bad and dated it's just it's like i don't, I don't know what happened here uh and then the craven like setup for him coming to the city is so dumb <laughs> just, like i like the character but like just let him be craven the hunter not craven the billionaire the trillionaire like what he has infinite resources to just have the largest army of hunters in the world. He has this, the most high tech vehicles that are flying around the city and, and mm -hmm. putting up like fake, uh, like, um, barriers yeah, that are blocking out visible barriers that like it's, mirror or whatever. Just let him be Craven the hunter. Uh, I thought that was pretty dumb. I mean, I, I, I mean, uh, I'll save anything for maybe later on, uh, another podcast <laughs> episode. I just wish that they treated Craven more like a, you know, and not not to like design armchair design, but like when you say Craven the Hunter's after you, I did expect him to to be somebody who was like an active presence that would like yeah, you know has, shoot an arrow at you while you're flying around the city or something, yeah. something that is like antagonistic, a la Nemesis. But again, this small tiny thing that I was like, man, I wish that was there. <laughs> you know, because it's Marvel's Spider-Man, I do think it's a little silly that they stick to the Spider-Man rogues gallery so much. Mm. And because like Spider-Man comics have never been that way. Like Spider-Man's crossed over with X-Men a billion times. Like, what if the ultimate villain this was Magneto? It'd be so much cooler. You know, like I just don't I like our Marvel just like we don't need the same origin story of Spider-Man. We don't need the same rogues gallery. So like I don't I, I just don't see why they, they don't go that way. And I hope games like Wolverine start like kind of opening that up and like kind of, you know, making the, the, the world a little bit wider. It's just the same thing with the MCU. Like I like I've liked many years of the MCU, but like the Avengers are kind of the worst Marvel comics. In my opinion, I like Spider-Man and X-Men, hmm. but like those are not part of the Avengers universe until Spider-Man barely was. And I guess they mentioned mut mutants once now on a TV show. Like it's just <laughs> weird. Like and it's like they have I don't think there's anything limiting this. Maybe there is a licensing thing limiting it, but I just think it's like, it just bums me out. It's like comic books have never had that. You know, you read some huge Spider-Man crossover in the 90s and it's like freaking amazing. Like it's like every Marvel character you could imagine could be in there because they make sense for like a story beat instead of being like, well, let's just make sure that, you know, Black Cat is in here yeah. just because we got to make sure Black Cat's in here. I mean, they also have Avengers Tower in New York, know, so yeah. it points to other yeah, characters right. existing in this space. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, exactly. Well, I wish you did something with them. Again, I like the story that was present here, but I agree with Sam. I Like, I would love the Zag to be in the next Spider-Man game where it's like, it's mm. not a Spider-Man villain this time. This time, it's Psylocke or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Hell yeah. I, I think that's definitely what they're, I shouldn't say definitely, but like, I think that there's a very good chance, like if I'm a betting man, it's like this suite of Spider-Man mm -hmm. games from Insomniac eventually ends into like mm -hmm. some wider Marvel, like, mm -hmm. you know, the Hulk's so in it cool. now and other I mean, characters are in it Are we going to get an Avengers yeah. game again? They've got Wolverine <laughs> yeah, coming, like, so like there's every opportunity to connect. Yeah. To connect that, right? That, mm -hmm. that, that seems and like there's, so, there's some Wolverine connections in this not, that that uh, people uh, were teasing ahead of the game coming out that we're just discovering now. You don't need to you don't need to overthink this stuff. Like you think about the Batman Arkham games and how that just completely derailed Rocksteady for like a decade, right? Like Suicide Squad is this like you know debacle now. But hopefully it comes out and they've rescued it. But you know we'll see. Like look, like make make your trilogy of Spider-Man games, make them really great, make them mm -hmm. game of the year contenders every time, and then do some huge Marvel crossover thing and make a billion dollars. Like that's yeah. all, like yeah. give people what they want. 
So I, I had a little bit of a rant when I was talking to Damon yesterday uh, um, in kind of a pre-planning uh, meeting where uh, I, I'm really tired of New York and I don't think it's a good setting for an uh, open world game. And especially for the third time around, um, it's amazing as like a carpet that you're just kind of swinging past all these shiny buildings mm. and it feels really good and that all makes sense. But like, there's no part of it that I'm like, yeah. You know, originally it was like, oh, the, the Avengers Tower's in there? I'm going to go check that out. It's still in there for the third game now. Um, there's like a Fisk building you can go check out. But it's like it's not like, oh, my gosh, the Brooklyn Bridge. This is so cool. Look how accurate yeah. this is. Like, it's just none of that appeals to me. And maybe it appeals to somebody. But it doesn't appeal to me at all. And, like, I, th- I compare that to, like, Red Dead 2 or, you know, The Witcher or something. Like, And that's fair because those are open world games. Like, you don't need to make an open world game if you're making like a really cool Spider-Man game about chase scenes and fights necessarily. Yeah. And to add to that, the open world just kind of, there's not much to do in it. You know, you can find treasure chests and you can find photo ops and that's all there. But like, they've spent a lot of time on making New York look like freaking amazing. Like that is yeah. not the problem with New York. It's just the fact that like, I can go to New York and <laughs> go around New York and probably have more fun than swinging around it in <laughs> Spider-Man the <Well>. game. <laughs> because like, you know, you're not stopping for pizza. You're not going into like <laughs> cool barcade, but, um, but like it's just it's just not it's not a fantasy to me. It doesn't feel like a fantasy. Like it'd be cool if they transformed it in some way, like they did for you know the the, the new Zelda game, or like change it. But instead, it's just like it's the same New York with more fidelity, and like yeah, it looks amazing and it's fun to swing around. But that's basically my point. It's just like it's just it's not a fun open world. I definitely not feel that. Like I, I I haven't played uh, Spider Man two yet, but in Miles Morales and in the original, um, you know, the open world felt like it felt like something that you zipped past. And if you slowed down and stopped and when you're on foot, it wasn't as impressive as the best of the best open world games. You know, it feels like it was obvious that Insomniac's emphasis was on, you know, the character action and, yeah. um, and those moments more so than, than having an absolute top tier open world. Like, they, like I, I remember you could land on foot and like, yeah, characters are like, Oh, Hey, Spider-Man. Like there's not no reactivity, but like there wasn't enough. Like they're sort of like, uh, Oh, and then like the <laughs> yeah. pedestrians just go on their I way. Like it f- felt kind of silly. Um, compared like to a, a more fair comparison would be the Batman games, right? Because like, I mean, starting with asylum, asylum is the coolest. The Arkham asylum is the coolest thing to explore. It's just, it's so neat to see all the history and all the stuff in it. And then the city, even though I don't really like Arkham city that much, like it's so much more interesting. It's like, Oh, this is like a, a fantasy cool thing where they can make a crazy, you know, a thing that that's tied to a villain or a, you know, an, an amazing, like, you know, dungeon area that you can go into. That's like, it's just all fantasy. It's just like, it's, it's new and interesting instead of like, Oh, you're swinging around a bunch of apartment buildings in New York. It just seems dull to me. You can, never liked it. You can be a voyeur and look in the uh, in windows and just see people like making coffee or watching TV <laughs> or something. And no one reacts to you. So oh, you're like on there. Like, I want to, I want to, I do want to make the distinction that like the detail and everything is like super freaking impressive. Mm-hmm. Like I just like, I think it's kind of pointless. Like it just seemed like it, it's not worth the effort to me because it doesn't make the game better, but it's unbelievable. Like there, it is better to land on the ground. Than this like walking around Coney Island is unbelievable. Like it, it, it's the best crowds I've ever seen handled. It, it's I, I've never seen anything like it, but you know, it is, it, it's just, it's, it's a little bit too close to home. Mm-hmm. So you, just would you like it more if if the premise of the game was there was a cosmic threat that came to New York and destroyed it? That'd be cool. Okay. Yeah, that'd be cool. Or for maybe it was just a Marvel city that wasn't New York City. I don't. Mm-hmm. I've never really understood why New York's in it and then Wakanda's in Marvel. Like, come on. Like, 
I, I <laughs> like think it's, that's it's something just, just that they're, they're probably going to be able to address with something like Wolverine because I think the illusion, at least, that we got in the trailer was that the game would potentially be take place in Madripoor, which is this kind of fictional, like, Southeast Asian mm -hmm. country with full of, like, it's basically like Singapore. It's like a high-tech Southeast Asian country mm -hmm. that has, like, all the cool gadgets and whatnot. So I think that might scratch that yeah. itch. But, yeah, I think there is something to reconcile between real-world locations and, like, you know, heroes who are known for existing in those locations yeah. because it's like a Spider-Man. They, they a Spider could have set Spider-Man in another place. They could have set it in Wakanda. They could have set it in Japan. You I know, know like they that. could have done something like that. <laughs> it, it feels, it, but it feels a little bit like they set a movie. They set a movie there. I, I, I mean, it's not, it's not a far stretch. Yeah, I, I, I do. It feels so. Something about it though feels like it's like I don't think they're ready for that yet. I don't know why I say that. I say I want something new, and yet I think that they're not ready for that. Like yeah. pulling Spider-Man out of New York just yet. It's also very New York game. The way that like the Ghostbusters is a New York movie. Like the city is a character. In the if you mess yeah. with one of us, you mess with all of us. That's from exactly. Spider-Man. Come exactly. on. <laughs> but you like, uh, the... you know, Spider-Man went to another planet to get that black suit originally. <laughs> and they just don't have anything like that in this. <laughs> but you like the game, Sam? Yeah, I do. I, I'm really, I'm just, I'm blown away by it. I'm just, I think it's, it's a technical masterpiece. Of... I, and e even some of the acting and storytelling is done better than I expected. And then some of it's not. <laughs> Just like you were saying. One of the things I forgot to mention is that there's a, just a constant drip feed of rewards. I feel like I'm leveling, leveling up every 10 minutes, constantly yeah. getting new suits, unlocking new abilities, upgrading my gear. It's just constant, constant. Even now, I'm like, I'm really deep into the game and it's still happening. So it's great. And you don't have to, it's not, it's not the type of upgrades where you're like, well, now I have to memorize this giant new button combo. They have those, mm -hmm. but a lot of the upgrades are like, just you get like a, 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 you build out this wheel of super attacks and they just start additive. So like right now I have like eight super attacks that yep. I can just unleash at any, like, it's so fun. Yep. Like that's like a really great way to do combat. They, they thought it out. They're generous and it paid off because I'm never doing the same thing and that's good. And some games have just been way too reluctant to, to be that generous. Yeah. I made a lot of uh, my coworkers here at IGN a little bit upset because I had to do a lot of capture for Spider-Man 2. And because I'm a weirdo, I like to put Peter in black and red outfits and Miles in the, the red and white and blue Spider-Man outfits. So everyone was like, wait, are you, are you Peter or are you Miles? I was like, I don't know. What do you think? The suits from uh, Across the Spider-Verse are awesome. They're incredible. I know you can also toggle on the animation. Yep. Uh, Toggle so for cool. him, which is really cool. really cool. Justin, have we convinced you to play or not play Spider-Man 2? Yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, oh yeah, I didn't need convincing to play okay. Spider-Man 2. I loved, I mean, I, I think that they just, again, I haven't played 2 yet, but I thought, you know, Miles Morales was better than 1, and I know that there's a contention of people on staff. Like, 2, it's not a divisive game. Everybody yeah. likes 2 and loves 2, but like, some people seem to think that like, uh, you know, they're getting like very, very slightly worse or samey as they go. Mm -hmm. And some people mm -hmm. are like, no, they're getting better as they go. And so far, I've definitely been in the latter camp. So, no, super excited to play it. I don't know. Like, I'm very excited about Mario Wonder. So, I mean, yeah, you know, we'll see. Busy Hell time yeah. of year. Yeah. Mario Wonder will unlock tonight, the day that we're recording this. So, yeah, we'll be able to play. Cannot wait. We'll be able to talk about Mario Wonder next week. Please be excited. This episode of Game Scoop is brought to you by NordVPN. As Scoop Nation knows, your Omega Cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called Weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. 
With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Okay, Starfield was the best-selling game of September here in the U.S., even with Game Pass. So, uh, you know, we, when we talked about how when Microsoft set this new policy that all of their first-party games would launch day one into Game Pass, we were like, well, now we're never going to know. Like, how, how are we, we going to measure their, um, their performance? Like, how will we know if they were a success or not? Mm-hmm. It turns out uh, if, they just, if they build enough hype, they can still sell copies of their first-party games even though they're launching into Game Pass. I think this is the I mean- model for Xbox going forward. You you had to and buy it came out early. Yeah, like well, that's exactly what I was gonna say. It's like if you wanted to get the game three days or four days early or whatever it was, you had yeah. to buy the fancy edition that was like thirty dollars more, and that gives you the first DLC pack. And so yeah. that was the exact thing. If you're like me and you have um, Game Pass and you yep. get Starfield through Game Pass, there was still this extra upgrade to buy, which felt very much like bait, targeted, yeah. targeted yes. directly at me. And, you know, and I fell for, fell for it's not the right word, but like, you know, I opted for it and like, you know, so did many millions of other gamers, I would imagine. And it came out on a three day weekend, right? Well, Labor Day weekend in the U.S. I don't know if those premium edition upgrades count as game sales for your purposes, Damon, like for this calculation, I'm not positive on that. Well, it's, it's Circana, which used to be MPD and it's just, it's just based on revenue. So how dollars made, dollars made. So great. Then, yeah, then it definitely counts. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they got my FOMO $35. Uh, yeah, same here. Is this going to be, I mean, obviously we've already seen this become the new normal as far as, hey, you want this big AAA game that's coming out? If you pay an extra 50 bucks, you get yeah. it four days early, which I know drives well, our normally, Dan Stapleton yeah. nuts, but uh, I'm curious well, if that's just a thing. <laughs> I mean, normally, normally I don't truck with those sorts of shenanigans either, but with Starfield, they made an exception because that premium edition mm-hmm. also, uh, like you're prepaying for the first DLC pack. But like the whole thing is made up. Like what's DLC and what's not? It's just whatever they chose to not have in the game. Like the game already has one thousand six hundred planets in it. Like I don't, you know. And I'm sure DLC is going to have like zero G gravity and like a bunch, of, you know, whatever. Like uh, uh, space station building, and it'll feel materially different than the base game. But like this mental hoops that I jump through of like, well, I'm buying the DLC. Like it's completely, it's completely arbitrary. Like what's part of the game pass release, what they withhold to come out, you know, months or years later. Like yeah. it's all, it, it's all, it's all marketing. It's, it, and how long has Xbox been waiting to have a best-selling game yeah. of their own, yeah. right? Like it's been hundred percent years and years. Um, I just think mm-hmm. whether or not you like this idea of like um, this paying for early access, like it seems to be a very shrewd business move on Xbox's part. That was a, just a phenomenal success. Now they have, the, the seventh best-selling game of the year in terms of revenue, even though it was, it was available to everyone who subscribed to Game Pass at no extra charge. I, I think that- and do you see everybody that it was, it's okay that the game got low scores from some reviewers. <laughs> it's still sold fine. Low. And Xbox low is still going to be fine. Low is in quotes see? here. Everything turned out okay. Yes. You only think the game is good? I'm angry with you for, <laughs> for sharing that opinion. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that Xbox, like we're starting to see this pattern emerge with Game Pass where, you, you know, Game Pass, first of all, Game Pass, we often do this on the show. Even we talk about games as being free, you know, when they're on Game Pass, but you're still paying for Game Pass. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, you know, like maybe I'm spending $120 on Game Pass instead of $180 on video games or whatever, but they get, they get their money from me in the end. Cause I'm going to buy the Forza Horizon 5 DLC. I'm going to buy the Halo Infinite, you know, at least one of the battle passes before I bounce off that game. You know, I'm going to buy the early edition of Starfield. And so they'll get this strategy of like, we'll get our 30 or 40 million players of the game and then be a little bit more aggressive and optimized about our ability to kind of extract extra revenue from them once they're in the game. Like, I don't, I don't think that Halo Infinite is hostile to the consumer or is Forza. And I don't think Starfield is either. I think they're all okay. But like, I'm just fascinated in it from a business standpoint of like, oh, they've really figured out a way to like, you know, they're not they're not losing out by the fact that you don't have to pay seventy dollars yeah. to play these video games anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not at all. I just wonder how how repeatable this is because like Starfield, you know, the first new IP from Bethesda in twenty some years, like it's going to be a harder sell for Avowed, I think. <laughs> what I mean, when is the next uh, Elder Scrolls game coming out? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's Garen mm-hmm. calling my shot now. That's going to be the I mean, same, yeah, that'll, the same uh, vein yeah. as this one. For sure. Although I think that's quite a ways out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, some other notable uh, data, I think, from the, uh, the best-selling games of September. Hogwarts Legacy is still in the top 10. Still mm-hmm. selling it's in huge. the top 10 games of the year. It's the number <clears throat> one selling game of the year in terms of revenue. And then but, but Baldur's Gate 3 is not in the top 20. It's completely dropped off only a month after its release mm. and um, including the fact that it came to PS5 last month. 
And the, those digital sales, it, it, it's the only digital game here in the US, but those are included here. So I don't know, what does that tell us about Baldur's Gate 3? It made a big impact and then that was it? Well, I mean, it made more than a, it came out, so it came out August 3rd, to be fair. So it had like, you know, it couldn't have possibly have had a longer sales window in terms of weeks before it yeah. ticked over to a new month. Um, so it's not, that's like eight weeks of sales, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Between August and September. But you're saying it didn't chart for September. That's right. I think it also came out in a period of time where there was nothing else like it that it could compete against, that it needed to compete against. And I think that was um, wise on Larian's part to just put this game out in an open window and not, you know, Titanfall to it to some extent. Um, so, uh, yeah, I feel like it came out exactly when it needed to. It's it? a little weird. I mean, it, it had its PS5 release in September. Yeah. So that's weird that that didn't move the needle. But wait, yeah. it, it arrived on PC in early August, is that right? Because they moved right, it up. Yeah, August. Yeah, yeah August. but then you get into the weird like early access stuff, but yeah. But what I'm saying is right. there's something going on because it's not on the charts for August either. So but, it, but isn't that because the Steam sales and stuff like that are never going to be an MPD? They are. Steam is an MPD. Sakana. Yeah, well, but mm-hmm. something well, something's is happening weird. with Baldur's Gate. It's not being reported. Well, yeah, because that game, I mean, I can't recall off the top of my head, but I know it blew the doors off Larry and sales expectations yeah. for the month of August. Like, because it was in early access for like something like three years. And I see now I'm going to butcher this stack because I'm reciting it from memory. But Larian thought that they'd already achieved, achieved a certain percentage of Baldur's Gate sales that the game would ever achieve because it was in early access. And then it yeah. ended up like significantly exceeding mm. like, oh, no, we hadn't sold nearly as many copies in early access as they ended up selling in full release. So, yeah, you know, m- maybe if it fell off in September, I could understand. But no, it doesn't make sense for it not to be there in August. Unless you just can't buy it through Steam or something. I don't know. Something, something is going on. The numbers for Baldur's Gate are not being reported, but I think it would probably no. be on here. Yeah, it was huge. I mean, it had—I think it had like eight hundred thousand concurrent players on Steam or something like that, if I recall correctly. Including me, great video game. Me too. I still got to finish it. I mean, yeah, we'll see if, <laughs> if and when I can it get never, back to that. I mean, it never ends. Yeah. Well, there will be a dry period at some point. Gotta get back to that. Diablo Four. Start. Oh, I still want to actually start Final Fantasy Sixteen more than just an hour and a half or whatever. Oh man. We'll see. What a game. Um. What's interesting about Starfield, though, is it did not move Xbox consoles. Mm. Oh, really? At least not. I mean, it's, PS5 is still you know, continuing in the lead <clears> in both <throat> unit and dollar sales. So mm. It's not like everyone went out there and bought Xboxes alongside Starfield. Mm. That's the ultimate point of these game exclusives is to sell these consoles. Well, but maybe not for Xbox. Interesting. You know, mm. The ultimate point, yeah, I, I think, for Xbox is to get people thing now. in the Game Pass ecosystem. Yeah, that's I guess with their especially with their PC and everything access. And it's a different world. Now, when MP number, MPD numbers for October come in, I wonder where Skull Island: Rise of Kong <laughs> will land on that list. I think all the uh, the the bad press about this game probably sold a few copies. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I saw some people. So we gave it a we reviewed it. We gave it a three out of ten. And I saw some people in the comments saying they bought it just for the like trophies. For the memes. Yeah, I don't know. This is so you probably heard this week. There's a a new King Kong game that kind of came out of nowhere. I don't I don't think people were expecting it, and it's just terrible. It looks like it's two generations behind. It's absolute shovelware. I don't know if we have the footage here, but there's. 
there's this great cutscene where he, <laughs> Kong is going to fight this dinosaur, and the, the dinosaur supposedly charges, but it's not animated. It just shows up like a still image. The PNG, yeah. Yeah. Just throw a PNG up. They don't even do a slow zoom on that no, PNG or, or a whip. All. You can do that in editing. That's easy. The Kong model <laughs> is hilariously goofy looking. And also, like, Kong is supposed to be enormous. There's no sense of scale to the game at all. He just seems like a... That's because they're on Skull Island. <laughs> you know, so that everything's larger there. Yeah, but in the movie Skull, uh, Skull Island, he's still big. He should be bigger than the trees. Like, come on. It's because of the third-person isometric, oh. like, I don't to know. Be fair, to be fair, we're looking at King Kong's mom right now. <laughs> I'm not joking. Oh, this is, is this really? Minutes <laughs> oh, and we're playing yeah. as Kong? So you're telling That's me so, Kong yeah. is yeah. larger. And then, yeah, and then a dinosaur kills her. I, I mean, if we can scrap yes. to the end of it, there's an amazing, amazing scene with baby King Kong uh, 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 reacting to the death of his mother with this like cartoonish eyes that go like saucer wide. And then, he, then, he, then, he, then he jogs into a bush. Do I need to do I need <laughs> to play great. this Kong game before I watch the Monarch Apple yes. TV Plus yes, series? Yes. <laughs> Which was looking. I like the, Is that show going to be good, Damon? What's up? Is Monarch going to be good? It's looking good. From the trailers, it looks yeah. like they actually yes. spent some money on it, maybe. This is what we're seeing oh my here gosh. is the fight. Kid the, Kong, mom Kong, Mom Kong against the dinosaur, which is bigger than her. I, and I, I believe this is the dinosaur <laughs> that you see later. And that, that here's the cutscene. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, okay. So that's how. So I can't. You really can't tell how big they are. They just. <laughs> it's baby Kong. I mean, baby oh. Kong should still be bigger than like a house. Like. Wait. I know. That's so funny. <laughs> How does Baby Kong get out of this one, though? Uh, is that a PNG? Too? Maybe it's like a Inglorious Bastards sort of thing, and he's gonna let her, let yeah. Kong go, and I'll I'll see you the, again someday. Uh, how he gets out of it is that he runs into a bush, and the dinosaur don't care. Yeah. Well, there we go. Okay. Well, oh. he's gone. <laughs> Literally into a bush. Oh, and man. so begins Skull Island: Rise of Kong. Three out of ten. I, mean, I like. What's that? Uh, it's just the IGM review, the three out of 10. I appreciated and liked that. It's like, look, it's not so bad. It's good. Like, don't like, just yeah. don't do it. Like, and I actually think that video games don't really work the same as like some television shows or right. movies where you can enjoy them on a level where they're bad. It's like, cause they're 20 hours. Long. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it, it's, oh, no it's no just deadly premonition. You know, it's not that's... that level of like weird. It, oh, this, yeah. It's kind of just, a baseline not a well-made game it's funny you both bring up so bad it's good and deadly premonition because we have an email from cameron mckee from upstate new york not buffalo who says reading ign's write-up and watching subsequent videos of skull island rise of kong have me laughing and also wondering are there any so bad it's good games that you can think of for movies there are diamond dozen but i can't think of a game that is bad but also beloved for its total wackiness i turn to you the quad scooplicate for your knowledge and expertise, and it seems like Deadly Premonition is is a, a, one that's often brought up. Yeah, Deadly Premonition feels like that kind of. It feels like the poster child of so bad it's good for video games. In that, I don't think that game is actually bad. I think there's just a lot of constraints that were made, and they were just like, well, I guess this is how we have to make the game now. It's a little janky, <laughs> sure, but for the most part, it's interesting. Um, I don't think there's anything particularly interesting about like the new Kong game. Yeah. Um, no. 
other than some silliness. But like, I don't know, maybe maybe if we want to keep it in the vein of Kong, like the Peter Jackson's King Kong game that was a 360 launch title. Some people just like that game? Though? That game is good. Yeah. Um, but it, it does kind of give off like the, I, I think it comes from the same vein of like, it's a movie tie-in. So like, oh, we're not expecting much. Hey, it turns out it's actually a lot better than you give it credit for. So maybe in that same vein? I miss that kind of game where it was like, it, it was kind of graphically impressive, maybe tied to a, a movie and very short but like it was right in the launch window, and so you're like everybody's gonna play this. But it looked it looked awesome, you know. It may have been kind of boring, but you're like, look how cool this game looks. The only other game I could think of that's so bad that it's like it's not it's bad but good, but mostly good. Like Resonance of Fate, which is a, is a it's a JRPG that had the most complicated or like battle system where you're shooting guns and like everything is a dice roll in terms of like mounting over objects and like shooting weapons and like comboing with your party members. It's bad because I think its combat system is like you need to have like a D&D style source book in order to figure out how it works. Mm. But once you actually get it, it's like, no, this is great. This is like the good stuff. But a game should not be that difficult to get into. Uh, and I, I would consider that bad and good. There's a couple that I came think, to mind. Um, What's that, Justin? Uh, I just, the only one I can think of is Goat Simulator. Um, but isn't you that know, in they, on the they, joke, though? Well, yeah, but that's what I mean. They like leaned into it. And like even in the trailer, it's like, you know, we left in all the bugs like it is. But I don't like I do believe that those are truly bugs. I don't think that they're like fake bugs that were manufactured and <laughs> programmed into the game. Like, I think it is janky on purpose. And then that that that, you know, it makes it fun. Yeah. Well, that janky on purpose, I feel like is kind of a whole genre now for streamers. Yeah. Yeah. like streamer yeah. bait like let's make a janky game yeah like those games where it's difficult to walk in yeah like, like getting like going it. up or whatever where yeah. you have to platform your way up or yeah yeah i could see that and there are, um i i'm a huge fan of shitty games so i but there's a window in history <laughs> where they're really good atari they're boring super nintendo they're too long it's 8-bit nes has the best yep. shitty games ever made so i wanted yeah and they're so fun so I really, really like, and I've, always, I've you know, been a longtime collector of a lot of systems, but NES is my favorite. And starting back in, you know, 1990s. Okay, sorry for the interruption, Sam. Please tell us about your shitty, shitty NES games. <laughs> okay, so uh, back, you know, in the early days of collecting, kind of discovering these for the first time, there's games like Mick Kids or Chubby Cherub <clears> or <throat> Wally Bear and the No Gang, and like, like incredible, just terrible games. And now... Uh, and, and we would just, you know, like one of my favorite things to do was to get cartridges and big bulk, you know, amounts and just kind of go through them and see what the heck they were, mm -hmm. especially if they were like weird colors or, you know, like total bootlegs. But there's plenty of licensed games that are like complete, just total garbage and worth playing. And um, because they're funny, they're just really funny and they might be really janky and they have the seal of quality and they shouldn't have um, I, I, one of my favorite examples. And I'll get to how you can all access these now. One of my favorite examples, which I've probably mentioned on here before, is like play Family Feud on NES with your friends. Yeah. It is unbelievably fun. Like you have to guess, you know, who the hottest hunks are when that <laughs> game came out in like, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like Scott Bayo or whatever. And, and like some people are really good at it, but then they'll have things like, you know, like what what's the worst thing to lose, you know, in your in your bathroom or something. And it's like it's just it's just really strange. And like it's it's real it's really fun to play those. You know, the the, the game show games are fun. But um Anyway, so now, Damon, you've done a version of this I, we've talked about before. You can, you know, illegally download a pack of ROMs and kind of spin the wheel and play, 
these games like you like i guarantee you you will have fun doing this the licensed games like karate kid mm-hmm. like just totally stupid but how funny is it to like see you know like predator the nightmare on elm street game. like yeah yeah like you check them out um uh california games that game a tc tnc surf design these are similar games where like you can't really figure out how to do the easiest thing in the game it's like here play <clears throat> hacky sack and like you have no idea how this like <laughs> controller is supposed to be used to do it, mm-hmm. and it's so funny, and they're so fun. Like you know, uh, have some beers, hang out, and, and play some bad games from that era. And I, I'm telling you, NES is the best one to go for. It's just it, 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 endless catalog of just total garbage. It's fun to play. I was going to mention two NES games that you didn't even uh, bring up. That was Friday the Thirteenth and Jaws, mm-hmm. also licensed games. Friday the Thirteenth, the original I Jaws as a kid, the original Soulsborne. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess so. Um, we had the uh, an NES game that's not so bad it's good is Jeopardy on the NES. Uh, we, yeah, I, is that a good one? We had that as a family. And um, it, so first of all, the you know, it asks you Jeopardy questions and you have to painfully, awful, like just typing in with the D pad, <laughs> like, you know, you're trying to spell out Missouri, but it doesn't know, <laughs> like, you spell it wrong, so then you get it wrong. And it's like, you said Missouri, yeah. but the answer is Missouri. Sorry. And it's like, oh, I just, and like, but all like the answers, like my memory and granted, I was like six years old. Right. And I didn't know how to spell. So it's like my memory is trying, like having the right answer, but running out of time to type it in. And it's not so bad. It's good. It's just bad. Yeah. Well, maybe you would think someone would want to make a real King Kong game. What's surprising to me about this Kong game is like, it's not a dead license. It's an active yeah. blockbuster movie franchise yeah. today with two movies and a third mm. one on the way. It's like, and just make a destroy mm. all monsters, like, yeah, beat them up, like Brawler or something. It's, it's all there. All the pieces are there. <sighs> Shouldn't be that difficult to do. <laughs> I want to share with Scoop Nation and my friends here. I've, I've begun an endeavor. I've, I've embarked on a quest mm. to determine what my favorite game of all time is. And the reason for this, I, I don't have an answer right now because for the longest time, I just said Mario 64. That's just like a, that was just my response. But today I would rather play Mario Odyssey than 64. So I well, thought it was time to sort of revisit this, mm. but it's quite the challenge when you have 40 years of great gaming memories in your head and your heart. It's like, where do you even yeah. begin? How do, how do I parse this? So. What I thought I would do is try to figure out what's my favorite game on every system I've owned. Because, <laughs> I mean, that should be like a short list. Right. Surely it's like in here somewhere. Um, so to that end, I started the process of figuring my personal top 10 games on every system mm-hmm. I've owned. And I haven't finished yet. I'm in the middle of it. But I thought I would share some of my findings so far here. So if we go back to... I thought you were going to have us 20 questions, your favorite game of all time. <laughs> No, that's that's a good idea too. But no, well, I like that they're your findings. By the way, like you're discovering things about yourself as yeah, part of I mean, going it's, on it's, this journey. It's really true. And David I'll, just shuts the door on the bedroom and sits in the corner <laughs> and closes his eyes and turns yes. off the lights. I mean, I have done a lot of uh, pacing and a lot of like uh, looking at um, my the games that I've favorited on my device that Sam mentioned earlier that lets me access old games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I should note this is an entirely like emotional. Uh, thing for me it's not I'm not basing it on like what what are you know what did IGN say are the top 100 NES games this is purely based on like my memories games that I like and uh, although I did want to pick games that I think are still fun to play today Mm -hmm. so I started on the NES not the 2600 sorry Atari your my favorite game of all time is probably not an Atari 2600 game 
uh, I didn't make it very, uh, very far into the generations here, and we only have a couple minutes before 20 questions, but I just want to say on the NES, I narrowed down my, my personal top 10 to Mega Man 2, Shadowgate, Life Force, Final Fantasy, Maniac Mansion, Bionic Commando, Double Dragon 2, Super Mario Bros. 2, The Legend of Zelda, and Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. That's a lot of games. I mean, and <laughs> obviously there could be a lot more on there, but I think that's just my personal top 10. My, my number one pick is Shadowgate on the NES. I know that's not probably not a very popular choice for people, but just like... It, that's wacky. I, I love how you chose Super Mario Brothers 2. Yeah, me too. That's I, just the weirdest that's, choice. That's I mean, like that, I love it. It's just like that was more of the game I can understand that, especially from like an emotional, like childlike standpoint. Yeah, like it was on the cover of Nintendo Power. And, you didn't know it was I mean, Doki Doki was, Panic back then? You no. just thought it was Super Mario I was too? in fourth or fifth grade <laughs> and like that's all my, me and my friends did. And then when Mario 3 came out, I played that too, but I was yeah. a little bit older and I was going into junior high and getting interested in other things so it was just two was more of the of the game that hit with me mm. and then Shadowgate is just such a me uh, such a, a damey game it's like up until that point I, th- I don't think I'd done anything in games except for run to the right and jump over things and punch things mm-hmm. now all of a sudden I have a first person turn based haunted castle exploration game with puzzles and cool oh, yeah. monsters and a dark sense of humor I love that game it's great um, I'll just share a couple more, and then we'll we'll save it. Well, I, I, again, this is a journey. I'll, I'll provide updates as I as I continue on my quest. On Game Boy, my favorite game is Donkey Kong '94. That's easy. Yeah, yeah, sure. But then Super Nintendo, I I can't narrow it down to ten yet. I have thirteen games. This is what I've got for it, S, Super right, Nintendo, and it's go. hard for me to remove any of these. David, this is your list. Just stop. Thirteen is fine. <laughs> There's but I, no, no rules. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair because I do know what my number one is. But I, what I've got is SimCity, Super Mario RPG, Earthbound, Lost Vikings, Super Metroid, Tetris Attack, Chrono Trigger, Super Punch Out, Super Mario World, Final Fantasy VI, Out of This World, A Link to the Past, and Super Castlevania IV. It's a pretty Ooh, damn good list. Awesome. Yeah. It's getting a little nervous with Zelda not being listed today. Oh, yeah. I've ranked them by how, when, how long they're. When did you play Earthbound and like it? That's insane. In whatever, 95 or 96? You played it when it came out? Not like right when it came out, but I played it shortly after that. I had no idea. Yeah. My cousin had wow. a copy of Earthbound. I was like, what's this? And I was like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I think Mario, I think Super Mario World is my favorite. I could also see a universe where it's Super Metroid, but I think I'd, I think I'd give it to Super Mario World. And then just sticking with the, the 16-bit consoles, on the TurboGrafx-16, it's Splatterhouse. I won't, read, I won't <laughs> read the whole list. It's Splatterhouse. On Sega Genesis, it's Shining Force 2. So like my, oh, wow. my short list of like what might be my favorite game of all time so far is Shadowgate, Donkey Kong 94, Super Mario World, Splatterhouse, and Shining Force 2. That's a cool list. Yeah. Yeah, I like games. I like, what I, I like what I'm... I'm picking up what I'm putting down here. <laughs> I will keep Scoop Nation <laughs> updated as I continue on my spiritual journey. What's going to be funny is like in a year from now when you're done with this, you're like, it's not, I'm still not there. I mean, what maybe, happened? Maybe. And then it's going to be... I forgot the, I didn't, I overlooked the Atari 2600 <laughs> out of, out of a joke. And then you're going to discover it was E.T. all along. It's kaboom. <laughs> Can I you just, imagine a world in which Bionic Commando came out for either Genesis or Super Nintendo in some kind of awesome sequel? I mean. We were so robbed. Oh, man, it's true because it came out for Game Boy Color, the sequel. It's not yeah. bad, but yeah, yeah, why not, why not do it on a console? I don't know. 
I really like the idea of like you're at home and yeah, you just like shut the door on your family I'm and just, it's just yeah. you in a chair with a notebook, like mm, just I, do I it. I timed myself for twenty minutes to come up with my favorite games yeah. on each console I've by the a, time the timer they, ended. I've got a pipe your in the kid scenario. comes in like, Dad, Dad, can you come play with me now? And like the notebook's still empty, there's nothing on it. You're like, no. <laughs> Daddy is busy. This is important. <laughs> That brings us to video game 20 questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Nick Mad. It's a good name. Let the question begin. Cool name. Uh, uh, would this game be on one of your top 10 lists for some generation? Um, probably not. A, not in a top 10. So it's of some note. Okay. Was this game made in the 70s, 80s, or 90s? No. Well, All right. but here's the thing. I don't mind that we burned a question on that, but we know that Damon already made his top 10 for the 16-bit and 8-bit consoles, and Damon answered this probably wouldn't be on a top 10. So we, we kind of already Damn. knew that it wasn't from the You're 70s, right. 80s, or 90s. <laughs> but that does eliminate the PS1 and the N64, certainly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Logic. I love it. Is this, game, um, is this game playable on the Nintendo Switch? No. Is this a console exclusive? Uh, it's not in, not anymore. Oh man, uh, Sam! The crazy thing about Choo Choo Rocket is we did the have we known this <laughs> game trick last week, and then we still we still z- z- homed in on the wrong thing. Oh, you had named it. Yep, mm-hmm. we named Choo Choo oh, Rocket, wow. and then we guessed a uh, Fantasy Star Online. Which what eats me up inside about that is we knew from one of our clues that the game didn't have RPG like systems. In it, we, we we forgot. Yeah, and Tom it. mentioned that he you guys had known that it was like almost strategy like, and it's yeah we screwed up. It was is bad. This, I don't this... I don't I don't mind losing, but I don't like the unforced errors of like losing hmm. when we should have gotten it. Yeah, you you named the game at one point. Yeah. Hmm. Is this <sighs> game made by a Japanese developer? No, that's five. Hmm. Did this come out on the Xbox 360? Yes. Ooh. Swish. 360, and then it was re-released then on something else because it is no longer a console exclusive. Or maybe it was re-released to the Xbox 360 from something. Was this game published by EA, Activision, or Ubisoft? Uh, A version of this game was published by one of those. It's got. What if it's like Whoa. Dark Void or something? I don't know. That game got like multiple releases on different things, and they're all different games. Oh man! Did you say EA, Activision, or Ubisoft? Yeah. yeah. Version of it. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. That's a rabbit hole. That's a door I don't want to open. Maybe this is like the generation of like they. A tie-in game got a release on different platforms, and they're all different games, kind of thing. Mm. Is multiplayer a big component of this? Uh, not a big component. Okay, I was thinking it might be sports or a shooter. Mm. Sound like it. <clears throat> a version of it. Maybe it's like a. Maybe it's like a like a Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. Had some game with a multiplayer mode that not that many people cared about. Sometimes in the 360, a, a whole different development studio publish like the next gen 360 version of all the other versions on ps2 and stuff for somebody else if it was an early 360 game do we want to do like genres maybe uh sure is this a shooter 
platformer or fighting game? No. Well, uh, let me just ask this. Did this debut on the Xbox 360? No. That's 10. Oh, okay. So that really changes things because like I, I'm wondering if it came to the 360 as from like mobile or from PC or something or arcade even. Yeah, like uh, like uh, like Peggle. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think it might be Peggle. Yeah, maybe it's Peggle. Because EA bought PopCap. Is this a puzzle game? Yes. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, Bejeweled. You got uh, <laughs> you got Peggle. Zoom, Zoom, Zuma. What's it called? Yeah. <laughs> Zuma, yeah. Zuma. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I played the heck out of that Xbox Live Arcade trial. Um, let's see what else. This. Does this gameplay Ode to Joy when you bounce a little ball in the perfect slot at the bottom of the screen? No. <laughs> See, also, this it doesn't make sense that it's Peggle because it would be on Damon's top ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, he, but he hasn't he hasn't calculated. He needs to lock himself in the in the <laughs> Damie closet and go into his mind vault to decide. We know it's, it's his number one for the Xbox generation. <laughs> yeah, in his heart. Weird. You mean it's Plants vs. Zombies? Yeah, yeah so about- it's a. Th- Sam, you're forgetting about Pac-Man Championship Edition DX. Oh my god. Oh yeah, good good times. Remember that era? And then it's like they made other ones, like they made a Galaga DX, and Mm -hmm. and none of them quite recaptured the Pac-Man scene. Eating all those ghosts of that second one was so cool. Man, you just unlocked like a like a door in my mind that I'd (laughs) kind of forgotten about. Me too. So good. Um, Uh, was this originally a mobile game? Yes. Plants vs. Zombies. Was it published by PopCap? No. Originally? <gasps> no. Oh, no. Uh, I mean, Zuma? Angry Birds. Angry Birds. Yeah. Angry Birds is a good one. Yeah. Uh, did that get rope. a 360 release, though? That's why I said the 360 Every- part's tripping me up. Everything probably did. Who published those? Those Zynga games? Uh, what? The, the <laughs> PopCap was. The, oh, the Angry Birds games? Um, that's called Shilingo. Is that what they're called? Rovio. Rovio. But, but, but they may have partnered with like EA to do like a console release. You know, I, I actually can't remember. Or How maybe actually I think Activision. You've asked 14 questions. Oh, we're so, we're on the cusp. Let's see. I mean, there's not that, that many games that were big mobile games that got ported to 360. No. And I also don't know. It's like, they didn't just release the like angry birds on, Consoles, so it's like I'm trying to think about what it would even maybe like a bejeweled be. or uh, what's the hexagon but, super but, hexagon or something? Hexic, no, I, I love super hexagon, but there was a game called Hexic, was a launch Hexic. game that was free with your Xbox yeah. 360, and that um, feels like it would have been a mobile game, but what else? What else? I don't, I don't think it was though. Oh, uh, okay. Oh man. Um, did we did we ask if it was a PopCap game? Yeah, none of did. them, none of them, none of them, none of them are on mobile anyway. They were PC. Could games. it be Minecraft? No, because we know it's a puzzle game, right? Yeah, we know it's a puzzle, and it was not made by PopCap Games, so it's not Plants vs Zombies. <sighs> puzzle game, a, a puzzle game that was on mobile and then then did not debut on the 360. I mean, do you fling birds in this game? Yes, that's oh, fifteen. Uh, Damn. But wait, does, do we have to get the, the version right too? Like yeah, I don't. Yeah, it, yeah. Is this oh, yeah. is this the first game in its in its series? No. Yeah. Does does this game have a Star Wars license? Yes. Oh man. There you go. Yeah. 
Yeah, I knew that because I, I reviewed that game for IGN. That's how I know. Um, nice. Well, okay, so there's Angry Birds Star Wars 1 and 2, and I'm trying to remember what they did on console. Console might have just been Angry Birds Star Wars and combined I think both it's just of them Star into Wars. Hmm. Okay, is this Angry Birds Star Wars? Yes. Well done. Dude, I did not know that they made an Angry Birds for 360. They just poured I me. Mean, they just poured this. No, I didn't even know that yeah, that actually, existed it, on a console. This was actually a launch game for the PS4 and Xbox One. Wow. That's what I was going to say. Is I, I played this and reviewed it on the PS4, and it was one of the very first PS4 games I ever played. Yeah. Wow. Um, These games are awesome, that, yeah. and you cannot get them anymore. I miss Angry Birds. They're not They're available. You cannot even download them if you purchase them already. For real? Yep. I didn't know that. Yep. Lost Media. It's one of, it's one of the most egregious examples of like it's a terrible. mismanaged franchise of like, although maybe that's a little bit harsh because like they didn't make a movie that made like a billion dollars, but like, but I don't know, man. Like they were so good for a while. I mean, especially these Star Wars ones, man. They're they're awesome. Well, and every kid in elementary school had like a Luke Skywalker red bird T-shirt. It was like a merchandising <laughs> bonanza yeah. too. Of like, oh man, it was Look at such that old graphics was, package, dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. It was That's such great. a no-brainer to do Angry Birds Marvel and Angry Birds X-Men and Angry Birds Harry Potter and like yeah. like and then it would have been they would have sold a million copies of these games, they would have sold a million in-app purchases and merch tie-ins. Um it's a pretty high score, 8.8. .8. Day one expansion. Yeah. You, you dinged it for a day one expansion. <laughs> I don't recall doing that. <laughs> um, I mean I probably I probably still would. I would probably still take some on bridge at that. Like, just include it in the game. <laughs> this is all just a roundabout way of Damon bringing up your criticisms of, of Angry Birds Star Wars. So what do you mean you dinged it for day one expansion? <laughs> Angry Birds Star Wars is an awesome game. It is a real shame that it is no longer available. Uh, but thank you for the suggestion, Nick Mad. Viewers and listeners, if you have your own suggestions for Video Game 20 questions, email them to me at the email address gamescoop at IGN.com. That's all the scoops we have for you this week. Next week we're going to be talking about Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and it's going to be... A Halloween episode. I don't think. I don't Ooh. think we'll, we'll see. Oh, we'll have man. something planned. We'll have, so, we'll have something fun. I don't think we're gonna have costumes wow. this year, but we'll, we'll have something fun for sure. So please be excited for that. Thank you, Nick, for joining me here in the studio. Thank you to both Sam and Justin. Thank you to Tom working behind the scenes and Ryan for helping us out with our technical issues before the show. My name is Damon. This is IGN Game Soup, and we're out. We are going to control you now. to control you now.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.